Hey everyone, just wanted to remind you that there are many ways to uh, follow the podcast. You can go to patreon.com backslash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. For more material, just uh, $4.50 a month will get you all the material on the page. And then there are higher tiers up from there, voting rights on polls at $3. And uh, the beginning of our weekly communist reading book series, uh, theory series, Marx series, however you want to imagine it. It'll be really fun, and that'll be starting up this year as well. Um, I also wanted to let you know that there is a PayPal at paypal.me backslash Hegelbahn that you can follow the podcast itself run by the podcast intern at no cartridge. You can follow our producer at third second. And uh, you should be coming to the upcoming live show, uh, No Cartridge Live, with uh, two members of Chapo Trap House, Matt Chrisman, a.k.a. Cushbomb, and Virgil Texas, a.k.a. Virgil Texas. Uh, it will be at the Bell House Brooklyn on January 19th. It's 21 and up, but uh, it's only $10 to get in. Doors are at 7 p.m. and the show's at 7.30. Uh, you can check at BellHouseNY for more details or just uh, pay attention to my feed at Hagelbon and at No Cartridge, and we'll give you more details as they come up. I really hope I'm going to be able to see you there and uh, enjoy the show. Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbun on Twitter, and with me today I have one of my uh, one of my longer tenured friends on Twitter. Uh, you know him for his baseball writing, for his wrestling writing, for his unfortunate Red Sox fandom. Uh, Mr. Mark Normandon is is here. Mark, welcome. He had me muted during that whole time, so I couldn't gasp when he talked about my Red Sox fandom. I mean, most of the time my Red Sox fandom is unfortunate, but that's the fault of other Red Sox fans more than the Red Sox. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you aren't you aren't vocal about the Patriots, at least. No, I I mean, I don't watch the NFL anymore. Um, and the only time I mention the Patriots is when it's going to make somebody else mad online who really cares mm. about football and hates the Patriots. And Mark, uh, you know, just for the audience, his information does not watch the football because uh, he is alt right. Uh, yeah, I think they've really disrespected <laughs> the troops. And when I refer to the troops, I'm talking about uh, the football players. <laughs> stand for the anthem because to me that's my military that's like that's a, that's very complicated but um i respect it you have to um you have to. <laughs> so mark <laughs> you're here to mark mark is actually not all right but uh i i feel on some level we should just continue that bit forever um <laughs> So you're here to talk to us about uh, Assassin's Creed, which I'll admit is a game that I've played a little of. And I've actually, unlike a lot of games, completed a game in the series. I've completed Assassin's Creed 2. Um, but I've never really gotten into it like everyone else has. Like I wasn't, I've never like hung on every word. I, I see the 
you know, the announcements and see where, you know, when it's coming out, what world it's going to be set in. But you have some some kind of worked out ideas about it. So what's your um, what's your background with Assassin's Creed? Where do you where do you come in for, uh, at it from? OK, so when it first came out, just conceptually, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're doing this kind of like time traveling tourism, like at the time it was, you know, the, the present day was 2012. And that was so far in the future, like five, six years into the future. Um, <laughs> so you're really moving around in all these places. Uh, and then the game was, the game was dog shit. Um, I really, really hate Assassin's Creed was really bad. I really hate the first Assassin's Creed so bad. Um, huh. It was so cool. It was like one of the coolest things I had ever played for about two hours. <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, we're just going to keep doing this, huh? Just a lot of this. This is, this yeah. is great. I talked to someone who a while back when I, I had um, uh, Ellie Boshin on uh, Andrew to talk about like open world games and his his account of like the Assassin's Creed parkour, which obviously evolves over time. And I'm sure we'll end up talking about it, uh, was that it was cool that you were able to sort of, you know, point yourself at a series of awnings or whatever and just kind of like leap through them and do all these crazy things that you couldn't do in real life. But I just I. I felt even then in Assassin's Creed 2, which I'm sure is much more refined, um, a kind of exhaustion about it, uh, about how easy it all was. And I'm sure that like there's an, a sameness and exhaustion when those mechanics are not properly optimized. Oh, yeah. I mean, the mission structures were samey, which is bad because they sucked. I mean, I, I came on right. here to talk about cool things about Assassin's Creed, and I promised a dear listener that like eventually I will like it. <laughs> but the first one's talk shit. Um so I, you know, I played for five, six, seven hours or whatever, and I'm like, the story's cool, but all of this sucks, and I'm just gonna like read a rap on Wikipedia if I really care, and I didn't, so I didn't do that. Right. Uh, but then I heard a lot of people being like, Assassin's Creed Two fixes everything from Assassin's Creed One. I'm like, wow, that's a long list of fixes. <laughs> Let's see how they did. Yeah, and I didn't buy it right away because um, at the time I was reviewing video games, and that was the same holiday season that had like Dragon Age Origins and Uncharted Two. Uh, oh yeah you had your work cut out for you at that point yeah i I think like i finished uncharted 2 and started writing a review and then i went back and started another uncharted 2 game on the next difficulty (laughs) and like played that instead um right yeah it was like december and it was one of those holiday sales where it's like brand new game 30 dollars off so i got assassin's creed 2 and i played the whole thing in like two days and like played through it the whole thing not just the story Mm -hmm. In like two days. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And oh man, I just loved it so much. They fixed the main character. They made this ridiculously charming lead character. Um, There was just like a richness to his story, especially since, I mean, the game literally opens with, or the the back in time part of the game literally opens with uh, the character being born. And you learn like the tutorial for like, oh, this is the button that like you do stuff with your arms. It's like you make (laughs) it into arms. And like, that, right. like that's a little much, but also I appreciate the, uh, like the it's weird cute. tutorial kind of setup. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you go through that until he gets his revenge, like 25 years later or something. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So it's cool. It's such a, not a life spanning event, but it's, it's a lot. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for uh, Renaissance Italy as well. So, you know, that really helped. Yeah. My experience of playing Assassin's Creed two, I was also, um, 
I was also reading, it was a, a rhetoric course I was taking. Now I, at one point read a book on like, it was like on economies and stuff. It wasn't a very good book. I won't, I won't look it up, <laughs> but um, I mean, it really wasn't great, <laughs> but the, uh, the, like they had a bit on, on mercantilism in, in Florence in medieval Florence and sort of like uh, the, the, Venice to like the various families and stuff like that who kind of like made nation states in Italy. Mm-hmm. And every time I would read that, I'd be like, man, I got to go play some Assassin's Creed. Like, right. I got to I got to get into that. <laughs> I mean, the thing I love about Assassin's Creed and it, it really started in two because um, I feel like there's a lot of nameless enemies or at least uh, it's possibly they're just nameless for uh, a totally uneducated on the world American like I, I am slash especially <laughs> was 10 years ago. Um. Like, I, you know, there was no real backstory for that, but it was so much richer and there was so much more going on. And like, you know, your codex fills up with all this information on these people and it's like yeah. half history. Um, I mean, all of the people who are bad guys in Assassin's Creed are like the easy marks to call bad guys from history. Oh, yeah. Like, like, the, like the Borgias and stuff like that. <laughs> the Borgias yeah. and like Thomas Edison, definitely a Templar. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Thomas Edison sucked. Yeah, that guy's a Templar. <laughs> well, yeah, and also they know their audience because like every 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 nerd's reading that and going like, yeah, Tesla. <laughs> but then you know you get to like the French Revolution game, which is the only like I I, I forgive the original Assassin's Creed for being crap because um, can I say crap on this podcast? <laughs> You've already said shit. Oh, so yes. well, that's that's fine. That's expected. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't say the, you can't say the dull downwards. You have to always say <laughs> this. That Thomas Edison, he was a real butt. <laughs> that guy was a sure, sure as so-and-so. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, 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 wow. I lost capacity of speech for speech. You, 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 wow. forgave, you forgave, uh, uh, Assassin's Creed one for being kind of uh, like, as you say, dog shit. <laughs> Uh, but the French Revolution game, I'm getting the feeling you didn't like that one, too. That's so far into the series, and you'd think they'd have it figured out by then. And I think that was really the moment where even people like me, who were okay with them doing an Assassin's Creed game every year, because um, I'm like a huge Assassin's Creed 3 apologist, which right. I'm sure has me excluded from certain circles. <laughs> oh. Well, we'll get into it. Um, but Assassin's Creed Unity is the one they did on the French Revolution, and this is really all I want to talk about it, because it's... It's awful. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the game was unfinished, which is, you know, not unforgivable in this market with day one updates and everything. That's just, it's not going to change. Yeah. So it just kind of happens. There's so many games like that. I mean, <laughs> Wolfenstein 2, they basically said, <clears throat> everyone was saying it was unfinished when it came out. All these games, right? Like they just, they release vaguely unfinished because they have such a merciless profit cycle. Yeah. Uh, with Unity, they decided hey, why don't we take this like hugely personal experience of going, doing all this time traveling tourism and like learning, uh, you know, air quotes, learning about the time periods <laughs> uh, and make it like a co-op adventure where we lock off huge amounts of the game if you don't play with friends or strangers online. Uh, and then also let's set it during the French Revolution and make it so that maybe the rich people aren't bad. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, you said during the French Revolution, I should stab every rich person. Every one of them. Yeah, no one's really looking. I mean, like, there's there's a lot that I will forgive in game companies. Like, I'll forgive them. I'll even forgive them, like, liberal Karl Marx. Because I get it. Like, I get that, you know, you're not going to... You're not going to like put Karl Marx in your game, you know, giving full sections out of the Communist Manifesto. I understand. Like, there's 
that's a lot to ask out of Ubisoft. Like it's a lot to ask, right? Like yeah. to, to say like, Oh, make a rigorous communist game here. <laughs> um, like it's okay, fine. You're not going to make that. But like, I don't know, man, like the French revolution doesn't have a lot of controversy that way. I don't think anyone is really on the side of Charles the, uh, yeah. I mean, like, why would they, why would they be interested in not Charles, uh, Louis the 16th? Why would they be interested in defending him? I mean, they definitely killed people named Charles too, for sure. Oh, what, no, yeah. So I mean, many Charles. They were out there. Yeah. Charles and Louis and Francois. Yeah, it's amazing they hold back on like, well, let's not let's not kill all the boogie people. Let's not do that <laughs> for a revolution where it's the one where you can go, you know, we might have gone too far. Yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 just it's it's such a it's such a an uncontroversial revolution in that way. Like people who I would say are like right of center. You could mention the French Revolution. You'd be like, yeah, those aristocrats really deserve what was coming to them. (laughs) Why would you, why would you hold back there? It's so weird, especially because they did, you know, they did such a good job in Assassin's Creed three with the American revolution. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, again, ignoring any like liberal Karl Marx kind of problems that are just like generalized sort of. Yeah. I mean, that's just video games. Like what do you, you know, you kind of expect that coming into it. Like they did a great job of, Hey, Connor is on the side of the Americans because they're looking for freedom. And Connor, as someone who's been, you know, oppressed in his life, like understands that desire for freedom uh, and this removal from oppression. Uh, but then also they didn't just blindly make the Americans good. Mm-hmm. Except for like, I think, I think Sam Adams was pretty, um, I, don't, I don't think they did really anything with Sam Adams. Yeah, uh, you, you would me. notice him. <laughs> Are you saying that I have a drinking problem or because I'm from Massachusetts? It's because you're from Massachusetts. It's also because you have a drinking problem. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um, (laughs) But also, uh, with George Washington, you know, they made him seem like such an upstanding guy that Connor respected, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because Washington was like glad to have Connor's help and not everyone was like that who was on the American side. But then they're also like, hey, by the way, George Washington totally burned down your village. Oh, interesting. It's like because, you know, just because they're natives. Uh, so huh. they did a good job of making sure that we didn't identify, that we didn't realize that this was the story of Connor helping the Americans, that Connor helping the Americans was just a thing that happened in the greater Connor story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it feels like they went back on that with Unity a little too much or like right. not what worked about it. But you could also say that about every idea they had in Unity. I mean, what's what's interesting to me in hearing you talk about uh, Assassin's Creed Three, um, which you're right, I, I remember that coming out, and then no one ever talked about it again. So I guess it's just because it was badly received. That was before I was really like back back on board with covering a lot of video games. Um, but what, what's interesting to me is hearing you talk about this, especially in terms of like the time travel and the immersion of like being the character. Uh, I mean, does the a lot of people complain about the the frame story uh, in Assassin's Creed, the idea that you are this, uh, you know, this person in this massive virtual reality container that is somehow like, yeah, the Animus. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, that's making you exist as the assassin, so you can learn about the assassins. People generally don't like that. Um, what's your What's your take on that? Oh boy. Um. <laughs> It's something I change my opinion on like every time I play one of the games. Okay. Uh, Like there are parts of it that are really cool. And Mm -hmm. I like this idea of like this all building to something. Um, 
the problem is they were supposed to make three Assassin's Creed games. Right. This was supposed to be a neat, tidy story. Then they realized Ezio was amazing. Just this amazing character they could flesh out and make tons of money with. Mm -hmm. Um, To their credit, Ezio is super awesome and was great through all three games. And I don't care if any listener is scoffing scoffing right now, being like, Assassin's Creed Revelations, that was lame. The bombs are stupid. The bombs are great. The bombs were great. (laughs) Okay? It was great. In Constantinople slash Istanbul, it was great. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I get very Take that, passion- everyone. Yeah, I get very passionate about revelations. Um, it, so, yeah, like that expanded what they were doing, and then it seems like they came up with other ideas for what they wanted to do. Yeah, it's it just it, it expanded. It got bigger. Like, I mean, it's like it's like it's Star Wars bloat too. I mean, that's the it's the same basic problem where like you can make good stuff that like I mean, I like all the Star Wars, uh, not the prequels all that much, but. You know, I, I like this. I like Star Wars. I like the main trilogy. I haven't seen The Last Jedi yet, but I love The Force Awakens. Like, I'm a Star Wars guy. I like Star Wars. But, like, you can also see how the original three could just be done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now imagine that Star Wars had no cutoff point. It just, <laughs> right. just kept going. And, like, you couldn't say the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the new trilogy. It was everything mm-hmm. was just, like, in a runoff running cycle that never stopped. Uh, that's yeah. That's what ended up happening. And they kind of... They didn't hit reset totally on um, on the modern day story, but it definitely took them a few games to right the ship. Yeah, um, it, it reminds me a little bit of like the Lost problem, or like problems that Prestige TV has, or like not quite Prestige TV, because that's that's sort of where Assassin's Creed lives in, in its way, where like it never quite makes it on those lists of games that people are like, you gotta play these games, like these are important important for the form. Um, but it always seems to find its way onto like game of the year lists for some people, but not for others. Um, so it reminds me of those like network prestige shows where like midway through the third season, you're thinking like, are they leading to something or is this just, uh, do they just think this is profitable? Um, and I, I think like at its best Assassin's Creed, you're just like, oh yeah, like, you know, if you're being a snob about it, it's not, you know, you won't like it, but it's very good. Um, and then at its, at its worst, you're like, oh, I, I think we've steered off course. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, at its best, you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe sci-fi has such a good show on this year. <laughs> right. Um, and then yeah, at, it's, at its worst, you're like, oh, no, that guy from ER is in this show. It's just fringe, basically. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, so modern day stuff. Um, yeah, they, they totally lost the, they lost the thread, but they picked it back up. Uh, can we do... Is there like spoiler? Can we do spoiler tags within the podcast? Oh, just, I mean, I, I will just say uh, there's going to be spoilers for what, Origins? Yeah, for Origins. Yeah, there's going to be or, there's going to be spoilers for Origins here. So if you're really worried about that, um, I guess uh, don't listen uh, from here on out. But uh, <laughs> I mean, no, it'll be short. I'll keep it brief. Okay, okay. Uh, skip maybe five or ten minutes ahead. <laughs> um so, you know, the whole thing with the Animus was like, oh, your ancestor's DNA. So it had to be Desmond Miles. He's the only one who could bring, in us, bring us to this stuff. And then Desmond died in Assassin's Creed mm. 3. So <laughs> and that's not a spoiler because that was six years ago or whatever. Yeah, you can't, you can't expect people to, you know, to expect spoiler tags for six-year-old games. Yeah. Um, so then they were like, okay, how do we justify this? And they went, what if the evil corporation that the Templars run – which, by the way, I totally love the fact that the Templars just decided that capitalism was way more profitable and efficient 
as their means to domination dominating the entire world than like hitler had been i mean it's a it's a very it's a very well not the hitler part but like the 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 efficiency part that's a very uh it's a very marxist point i mean marx says himself that capitalism tends to be more efficient than feudalism noted liberal noted noted liberal thinker karl marx um so then they decided what if we told these subjects that they were playing the new video game that's coming out so you know it's like in the modern day they were so you play black flag and you were the guy at the headquarters playing this new video game to like test it out but actually you were playing this game in the hopes that you would find you would find the you know the like for civilization artifacts that they were looking for. Oh, so it was like a trick. Yeah, it was like they were like, okay, you're, do, you're doing bug that's testing. Halloween three stuff right there. Yeah. That's <laughs> like season of the witch right there. And that was like their solution in the meantime for Desmond. And I, I like, that was funny because it's so dumb. Yeah, right. It's it it's like it's I don't know. Like I don't want to say it's insulting because it's it's not. I mean, whatever. But like it, it's a weird move. I think it's very risky. <laughs> Well, it's like they were going, we really have to continue our momentum, and we only have a year to make this game. Also, we have no idea what to do. <laughs> it's like the it's 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 the inverse of the the that rumor that um and I'm sure it's actually like more truth than rumor that uh Majora's Mask, uh this uh, the second N64 Zelda's game is so weird because um uh um uh, Nintendo basically gave them a timeline of a year to finish it. And they were like, well, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so they just made like a recursive game. Oh, man, I could talk about Majora's Mask forever. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, um, we'll do that, that would be that would be another show. But you can come on again. Thank you. You're welcome. Until um, until your listeners who really hate the bombs from Revelations <laughs> demand that I never come back. Uh, oh, so Origins Point. Now we're getting to the spoilers. So th- they've had someone develop technology that allows someone to like go to anyone Mm-hmm. how they got you know the how they were able to trace back to essentially the origins huh, ooh, huh, ooh, huh ooh. of the assassin's order uh-huh um so now it's like free free range you don't have people who like vaguely look like desmond miles okay we're all in that one timeline now you can, right now they can do it anywhere interesting so so in that so explain how that works in terms of origins then so it's someone who works for the Templars mm-hmm. who wants to be on the Animus Project, but like they won't let her be on the Animus right. Project. Because she worked for the Templars. Yeah, because they have their whole thing going on. And she's like, yo, I want to be in on like your top line shit. And <laughs> they, they don't let her. So she builds her own special Animus that is different from the one they use to okay. prove how good she is at it. And their response is to like uh, find this hideout that she is in, testing it out in and, you know, kill her and her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't succeed, but you know that's the plan. Also, uh, the plot of the movie Martyrs. <laughs> plot of the movie Martyrs. Um, no, okay, so yeah, that like that totally makes sense because, like, of course, it it sets up a kind of revenge thing. It, I, what I like about it is it problematizes the the assassins too, who other, up to that point are just like pure heroes. Wait, it, the Animus Project is that Templars or is that the assassins? It's a Templar thing. The assassins have their own too. Um, oh, oh, so sorry. the Templars do that. Okay, sorry. I yeah, thought the yeah. assassins did that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, the the Templars try to kill her, and the assassins oh, okay. show up later to like recruit her to be like, "Hey, you don't have to like us, but we'll let you work on an Animus and we're not try and murder you while you do it." 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. I was like, wow, that's like, that's pretty dark. <laughs> no, it's, they're at their worst when they try to do the like, what if the assassins are bad too? Cause they don't, they've put too much stock into the assassins being like the side of good. Yeah. They're just like super being good. bad. So <laughs> they can't thread the needle on like a, actually the Jedi are bad kind of thing. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I, not, that, I, not that George Lucas successfully threaded that needle either, but I got what he was going for. No, he did. He did. We all we all know what he we all know what the midichlorians were about. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it, it's true because like not not only are the assassins so good, but also the Templars are so evil that oh, it's like, oh, I mean, what are you like? How are you going to defend it? What I love is that the bad guys generally in Assassin's Creed have that like fire emblem problem where you look at them and you go, oh, that guy's a bad guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> like he just looks like such an asshole. Um, well, yeah, they look like they look like uh, the human versions of Dark Souls bosses or something like. That. <laughs> like it's also good because there's there's Renaissance paintings of all these people or whatever from and they look like that. That's what they look like, and you're like, yeah. oh, that's where these that's where these cliches came from. I'm killing these cliches, right? They're, exactly, they're the origin of these cliches. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. Like if you ever read um if you read the Inferno by Dante, like all the people he describes in Hell are just they look like this, like at Borges are in hell too. I mean, Oh yeah. It's, all sorts of people you fight in Assassin's Creed are, are either descended from or in uh, Dante's Inferno, but they're always like, you're always reading it. And you're like, Oh yeah. Like that's sort of, these guys feel like all the stereotypes, but this is where it came from. It's just fascinating how like we pull that from Renaissance paintings. Would Dante have a great Twitter or the Don't. greatest Twitter? I think he would have a great Twitter uh, because I worry he would post a lot of links. I worry, worry about that. Savage subtweets and quote tweets. No. Just <laughs> yeah, no, savage. You'd still want to follow, but uh, you might have to. You might have to just like uh, uh, you know blur some out when you weren't interested in reading a long piece. Don't ever criticize him for oh, his no. Twitter, for his Twitter act though, because he will roast you literally yeah. in the fires of hell. <laughs> so in Origins, like so, Origins. That's all the that's all the like the animus stuff. It sounds like the the real world project or the real world part of the game takes kind of a bigger, is, is it bigger in, in that game than in other games? It's huge. Um, it's open world, like true open world, not, Hey, I'm in Florence and Florence is pretty big to explore. And then I'm going to fast travel to Rome and Rome is even bigger. Yeah, sure. Um, this is like, Hey, I ran across a desert for 15 minutes and now wow. I'm in Libya. Wow. <laughs> and the games in Egypt, you know, uh, it's huge and like you have to fast travel. I, I spent a, I spent like a day playing where mm -hmm. I didn't try to accomplish anything. I just tried to open up the whole map and like do missions within the map and find fast tra uh, find uh, like fast travel points within uh, within those areas. And there are just these huge chunks of map where there is almost nothing. Like it's <laughs> literally just no. This is a desert. There's nothing in this desert. You but you have to cross this desert to get to where there's something it's kind of like a it, it reminds me sort of like a skyrim problem um like it's not quite it's not quite the same as all open world games because something like i've been playing a little bit of dead rising and um like that game yeah there are areas where there's not much going on but it's all a city so it feels like there's something there and same with like grand theft auto or whatever but like i remember in skyrim they're just chunks of forest where you're like okay wait what am i what am i doing here <laughs> i actually enjoyed running through nothing it was yeah it was like strangely satisfying i'd like get a camel who, which you could call you could call your camel or your mount at any time there was That's no nice. 
like there was nothing you even had to do to be able to do it. You just got to a point in the game where they're like, here's a camel. You've been playing for 10 minutes. And, oh, they didn't even make you do like the training want. stuff like they did with uh, in, in two. Yeah. So oh, just cool. nice. on the camel. Um, so if you didn't want to run across the desert, you could ride a camel across or you could ride a horse if you prefer that. But I've seen the mummy. So duh, I'm going to ride a camel. They're yeah, faster course. in the desert. Jeez. Brendan Fraser has Brendan Fraser taught you nothing, right? <laughs> the wisdom of Fraser. <laughs> so it's huge. The the main sort of like real world plot line seems bigger. I guess like is it? Do you feel like the game is just trying to like do it? I guess I'll, I'll put it this way: Is this like a um, is this an Age of Ultron move where it just like takes the same formula and says like, okay, we're doing it bigger? No, they they changed a lot of things up. They changed combat up, um, which is good. It's better than it was in the previous game. Okay, but I, it still doesn't feel as satisfying to me as like Ezio with the counter attacks, where you're just like, oh, this guy's coming at me with a sword, and then you put a knife through his throat. Right, it's sure. Quick, like there's something like elegant about all of that, even though it was simplistic, because um, it wasn't about the combat. It was the exploration, the story, etc. This did. I feel like this did a good job with combat, though. Uh, it made it more like the Batman games. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which I can like to a degree. I'm fine with. Um, I got mad early in the game because they didn't give you a hidden blade. So every time you were supposed to do like the executions, you would essentially punch a guy in the throat. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it's the first assassin, so they have, so they have some yeah, kinks to yeah, work yeah. out. Yeah, I think they did a good job of wrapping, like combining fan servicey stuff to to kind of like wrap some plot lines or introduce some plot lines initially since it's an origins game. Um, yeah, I guess like it, it's interesting to me how you're saying it though. And I'll, I'll want to ask about plot lines where you think it's going um, because that opens up a lot of questions. But one of the things that I notice in what you're saying is that like there's, there's a turn in these games away from the kind of like story focus in two, which is to say like story focus at the expense of anything else, right? Like it's not hard to climb. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to fight. Um, the game doesn't actually really have that many challenges that way. It's mostly just like, a, a, you know, a lot of, a lot of that's there, but it's kind of a, a vessel for the story being told. Um, I'm sure they got a lot of pressure about that. Like this is something I've talked about in other shows where, you know, especially after the popularity of dark souls and the kind of get good movement um, in with, with gamers, like, Games that are quote unquote easy get a lot of flack. And I wonder, do you think Ubisoft is pushing back against that by trying to expand the combat? Is this like a, you know, oh, we're this is a hard game kind of move? Or is it just like they're messing with their formula? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are difficulty levels okay. for the first time. Wow. Um, and I think, I can't remember. So, you know, don't quote me on it, but also I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> that when you beat the game, like it unlocks further difficulties as well. Okay. It's also a game where it says, like, hey, there are side quests if you want to do side quests. But if you don't do the side quests and get the experience from the side quests, you will never finish the main game. Um, wow. Okay. So it's one of those things where it's like, oh, before I advance in the story, I have to do all these side quests to gain some levels. Or, like, this rando is going to kill me. Um, which has never been an issue in, a, in an Assassin's Creed game. Because no, you could speedrun it easy. Yeah. Outside of boss fights, everyone has the same health bar, essentially. Right. Um so hmm. yeah, I, I do think they're it's it's there's a little more like gatekeeping for the story, where it's like okay, you really have to earn it, um, which I, I am I'm not annoyed about because 
I'm pretty I'm pretty all right at video games. So <laughs> played it's not a big deal games. for me. But like for people who like to, you know, do something like play Mass Effect just for the story, for instance, and they turn down the difficulty because they just want to like get through it and like have sex with aliens and all that. Sure. Um, you know, it does make it harder for that. But I guess I haven't tested out how easy like the easy mode is on this Assassin's Creed. But it still feels like there's so much you have to do and you can't just like push through it. It's interesting because like, of course it goes along with this idea of virtual tourism where, I mean, part of what was so enjoyable about two was being able to, you know, to climb the Duomo to sort of like, you know, I, I had been to Italy before I played Assassin's Creed two. So like, Uh yeah, I know (laughs) I I went there by myself when I was studying abroad. I just, they, they give, they give you a week off in the middle of British semesters, which is a cool thing. Um, (laughs) And I used it to go to Italy because it's cheap to travel between European countries. Um, but yeah, I just like, I, I told around Italy like for a week and it was fun and it was neat to see the buildings that I knew in the game. Like I was like, Oh, Hey, look, it's the Duomo or Hey, look, like it's this other thing I saw. I can climb to the top. It's like pretty cool. Um, and there is a tourism aspect where it's like, I don't have to worry about, you know, some archer killing me up here. This is just me enjoying the city. It seems like a difficulty level like that would take away from, from, I mean, it would take away from it in a game, as you say, that like has opened that prospect of it up so so much more yeah it was weird to be like here's this giant open game and you can go anywhere you want but also if you go to the wrong place too early you will die Hmm. um but i also get not wanting one static difficulty level across a game that you can play for like 60 hours sure Uh, because also this game is huge i played it for 50 something hours wow yeah um the i mean i liked the previous assassin's creed setup for difficulty which was just the synchronization Mm mm-hmm where it's like, okay, what if you can beat the mission without doing anything like what the mission would have been accomplished? Uh, <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh, he definitely sneaks up on this and kills one guy, and you're like, I want to kill forty-seven Templar guards and make <laughs> the most noise possible, right? And just not pay attention at all to what the story is telling me. Um, but you know, you'd get the hundred percent sync if you did the very like specific way, uh, and I love that, and I love it for replays. So I'm not sure like when I will re- when I will replay Origins because they don't have that sync. They just went, we're going to make the game harder. It reminds me a little of, um, and I, I you know I hate saying he's reminding me because it, it, it. Well, I'll finish this thought and then I'll say that. But it it reminds me a little of what people said about, um, and I know this is something that is near and dear to your heart as well. Uh, said about Metal Gear Solid Five, where like the game changed a lot in the fifth one, and obviously another incomplete game, but it just sort of like became different. And so like, I I knew a lot of people who put like 60 hours into that game and were like, I don't know if I'll ever come back to it in the way that I say would come back to metal gear solid two or three or whatever. Um, And it's kind of like, it's, it's interesting that like this happens when you open the game up in, in not just like in terms of space, like, Oh, you know, uh, in, in grand theft auto five. Now Liberty city is 30 square miles or something like that. Like, it opened it up in space to an exponential degree and also to like a thematic degree. It's interesting that it seems to like change a series. Yeah. You go from games that are infinitely replayable. You know, if you put some space between it and I've played like Assassin's Creed two and brotherhood, um, brotherhood's my favorite of the whole series. Still, Mm -hmm. um, I've played those like six, six times. Yeah. And they're not short games. No, Um, not at all. But you know, every couple of years, I'll, I'll play them. Well, there aren't uh, enough games to play. I mean, I've seen I've seen your lists. You don't have any games to play, really. Uh, I am just not, like, I'm not in a room with like literally two shelves full of old video games. Um, 
Why would you definitely, be? That'd be? That would be weird. <laughs> that would be strange. There aren't five consoles behind me. Um, so this new one, like you said, it, you know, they've exponentially just expanded the size and scope of the world you're in. Yeah. And they've increased, just like Metal Gear Solid Five, increased the world that you will interact with and the amount of time you will spend interacting with it. But when you, you know, replaying it is different because you want to like squeeze it for all it's worth. Yeah. When you play it and you want to explore everything and then you're kind of like, wow, I did it all. And when am I going to have time to play a 60 hour game again, when all these games are trending in this direction where they're all 60 hours long because they're afraid that we're not getting enough for our money and that the whole industry is going to shut down. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, it, it reminds me in some ways of like, it reminds me in some ways of the problem of like I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. Cause what I was saying about Assassin's Creed before was that Assassin's Creed always reminds me of other games. Like I don't have a good imprint of it, but I, I really do remember enjoying two. And I, I remember a lot about two in like a period of time. I was not playing for sort of depth of um, understanding, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love two. It was, it was a great game and I really enjoyed playing and beating it. And like, there's something about it that's really fun and something about it that's very unique that I don't know translates to these massive games in the same way that like, so I bring up dark souls one a lot here and in a, in a lot of ways, dark souls one has the same kind of place for me as Assassin's Creed two, where it's a game that I played before I was doing no cartridge. It's a game that I spent a lot of time on when I wasn't really spending a lot of time on games and it's a game that really sucked me in. And I feel like that difficulty, that exploration, that grandeur, everyone's trying to get this all into like one package now. Whereas like some of these games don't work if they're 60 or 70 hours long. Like I know why people didn't finish Neo or Nio or however you pronounce it, even though they thought it was great. Like if, you know, you play 30 hours and you're 50% through, like, that sounds yeah, I even, nightmarish. I haven't even started it. Like I haven't, I haven't bought it yet because I was like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. And then I read about it and I went, no, I, I still haven't even opened Horizon yet. I can't do this. Yep, that's me, that's me too. Yeah, it's exactly. It's just like, okay, I, I don't have time even to start planning to start that. And there are games that definitely justify the scope that is put into them. Horizon that I have now, now that I've played it. Um, you know, that's a game where I played for 60 hours and at the end I'm like, I wish I had another 60 hours to play. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but not every game, does. you know, when Origins finished, I was like, wow, I still have a lot of stuff that I could do. I'm not going to do any of it. <laughs> right. And like, I, I loved Origins. I thought it was, I think it's probably like the fourth best Assassin's Creed game. Can you hear my crying baby? Maddie's not happy about you not finishing Origins. Yeah. Should I not draw attention to the baby crying? I don't you know. Can, um, it's okay. But I mean, I finished, I finished the story of Origins because once I got to that point where I was, I had done enough side quests that I could power through the story. I was like, haha. I can do what I want now, Ubisoft. Yeah, right. I'm going to just keep doing story, 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 and you can't stop me. <laughs> yeah, I, that actually happened to me, and I still have to play the last mission in it, and I don't, or the last ending in it. I don't know why I haven't, but um, people yell at me all the time for it. But that happened to me with uh, with Near Automata, which I loved. It's on one of my one of my games of the year um, for 2017. I think this episode's coming out in 2018, so we'll we'll be in the future at that point. <gasps> Am I the first? Uh, yeah, I think you are actually. <gasps> Yes. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, hey, uh, aside, before I forget, this is the first podcast I've ever been on that I have previously listened to. <laughs> well, thank ever. you for listening. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm trying to think of ones that I've been on that I've listened to as well. Um, 
Oh, Street Fight. I was on I was on Street Fight's third third show and I've listened to Street Fight. I, I'm a, I am a listener of Street Fight. So that 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 happened to me. It's weird, isn't it? Like, although you've met yeah. me in person. So I guess like the voice thing isn't so weird for you. It's what's what is weird is when I go on like a podcast of a friend and they're like, so you're familiar with the show, right? No, <laughs> uh, not, not at all. It's like, yeah. I'm like, sure. Have you had Paul? Have you had Paul F. Tompkins on? Did I miss your Paul F. Tompkins episode? No, no, I I have no idea what the show's about. Whenever I whenever I ask people if they're familiar with the show, I just um, I say some sort of like nonsense thing that happened. Like, well, you guys are familiar with the show, so you remember when um, we had all the Gamergate people on, and uh, you know, just had a roundtable of all the people on Twitter who blocked each other, and Arthur Chu got so angry he hung up, like that, and they're just like, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, definitely vivid memory. I know you guys aren't listening. Um, but no, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, I didn't say it was good. Oh, well, I mean, listening, it doesn't have to be good. How long How long have you been doing this? You've been creating That's content. True. I'm in digital media. It doesn't have to be good. Yeah, it just has to be listened to. Um, but yeah, it's 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 strange, right? Because like the the I'm thinking now about um, Nier and, and thinking about like – there are all these little stories, right? Like there, I don't know if you played Nier yet. Um, it's great. I have. Oh, okay, good. So, you know, like they, in, in Nier, there are weapon stories where like, if you look at the the weapons you have and you like, you work to get the things to, to um, uh, level them up effectively, um, they tell little stories and they're like little uh, Coens or um, abs- like uh, uh, fragments. They're really interesting, but like, they're just, mm-hmm. they're very ephemeral. Um, but they're cool. And in a lot of games, I would try and get them all. And I started to try and get them all in Nier. And I was like, I have put 65 hours into Nier <laughs> getting all those side quests and everything. I can't do this. I can't get the ML ending. I can't do this. I just have to end the game. Like, I I don't, I don't have the energy to do everything in this game, even though it probably deserves it. And there's something kind of weird about that. Like, there's something like, well, did you feel like you had to include this because you had to include it? Because that's one thing. Or did you feel like you had to include it because, like, that's what the market is, which is another thing altogether. I, I mean, I think it's because it's the market. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like the way I talk myself out of doing that, because I realize that they feel pressured to make this much. So no one ever complains about like the value per dollar. Oh, and they do. The game. Oh my gosh. Uh, the, or the value per hour of the game. Yeah. Um, dollar war. So with, <laughs> so with origins, I was like, Oh, well, obviously all these extra missions that I'm never, ever going to do, are just so that if I missed these other things, I would have enough experience to be able to finish the game. <laughs> right. And since I have enough experience to finish the game because I've maxed out my level, you know, I've hit the level cap. I don't have to do any of this stuff. Right. Great. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like it's, I, I go back and forth and I'm glad, I'm glad this, I'm glad that Assassin's Creed, I wasn't aware of how big origins was um, or I would have oh, huge. Yeah. That's, I mean, especially in a desert. That's very cool, but very uh, intimidating. Um, it's it's like I find myself caught between – so I used to go to a lot of shows. I don't really anymore, but um, I used to go to a lot of uh, – see a lot of bands play. And I was always of the opinion that encores were irritating. Like I don't like encores. And the reason I don't like encores is because they are always expected. And like for some shows I would see in high school – the band knew they were going to get two encores. So they'd save their like popular song or like the song everyone wanted to hear to the second encore. And we all knew it was coming. Um, and that always struck me as disingenuous. Like even at 17, I don't want to sound like, I don't want to make it sound like I was some like brilliant 17 year old. Cause I wasn't, but like it bothered me. 
Um, and I would always love shows that were like a, a, a tight hour and then they left and wouldn't do an encore, which not many people would do that. But like, I don't know how much of that's me being like a crotchety old guy and how much of that is me liking tight production. Um, and I kind of wonder the same thing in video games. Like I loved uh, 2016's Doom because it was what it was. It didn't have a lot of bonus stuff. It didn't have a lot of things you could <laughs> do outside of it. It had the missions it had. It was not too long and it ended. You beat it in like 17 hours and it was great. Um, but that's not easy to do and it's a risk. So I, I don't know. Like I don't know what the solution to that would be, but it feels like feels like this problem is going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, it was refreshing to play Doom, which I played uh, this year recently um, after playing Horizon because Horizon was so huge and immersive. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I need I need to play something quick. So I played I played Doom and I could only play for like two chapters at a time max because your heart rate increases exponentially oh, while playing. Yeah. It. Oh, man, like I just needed to I needed to stop and go do something else that was low effort after. And I loved it. I loved the rush of it. Um, but yeah, once I was done, I was like, this is great. Yeah. And then I then I sold it. But that's probably exactly why most games don't aren't like that anymore, because they're afraid of people selling it. But man, I'm sorry, game developers. But uh, when I'm done with your game, I'm done with your game. And if you make it 60 hours long, I'm probably still going to be really done with it when I'm done with it. Yeah, I guess that's something that like digital distribution is dealing with, something that but it's it's been a problem forever. I it's just that people don't really like physical media as much anymore. I mean, I do. Well, but we've talked yeah. we've talked in the past about my paranoia about all of the all of the digital shops being shut down because you don't actually own any of that. Um on this the day of the Bitcoin crash, it is something we should keep in mind. Yeah, I bought um I bought a hard, a new hard drive for my PS3 this year, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is ridiculous. Like I've had a PS4 for years and that hard drive's too small now. And I'm like, I'm going to upgrade my PS3 hard drive. <laughs> but I did it so that I could download every single game and all of the DLC I have ever purchased on my PS3. And now it is all on that hard drive. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally understand that. And I think, I think your paranoia is well-placed. It's just, it's this, it feels like there's been a sea change and we're way off off topic in Assassin's Creed, but you've listened to the show. So you know that that happens. People who don't listen to the show always apologize. Um, but that's <laughs> sort of the point of the show, but it's, it's notice me not apologizing. I know, you, you, you've clearly <laughs> listened before. Um, but no, it's, I mean, it's like, there's this sea change between how we treat our physical media. And, and like, I remember certain CDs used to be like, I need to have this CD. Like I need to like, purchase the CD and have the object. And now I can't even imagine that. Uh, and like sort of similar with video games. I mean, I get the appeal of having the physical copy. I, I really do. But I also like, if I see it on steam, I'm not like, eh, I'm having a kind of crisis about this. Should I wait till I can get it physically? Like I just buy it. Um, and I think that's something that video game manufacturers are pleased about, but they're never going to find like a Holy grail back to the time where like, I bought Chrono Trigger and then I was like, this counts as one of my prized possessions. Like I'm not ever going to give this away. Yeah. It's, t I mean, even, even the way I am where I wasn't kidding about the two big media shelves full of video games. And this is just like my old video games room. <laughs> and it's one of two old video games rooms. Uh Oh, and then I also have the new video games room. Um, yeah, I have a serious problem. Your daughter's but, friends are going to uh, think you're a real nerd. 
Well, I have the physical manifestation of like most people's Steam catalog, <laughs> right? Where they're like, "Wow, I have hundreds and hundreds of Steam games," and I'm like, "Me too," except they're physical copies of DS games. <laughs> please, please help! I'm trapped in my house. Yeah, I'm drowning in this stuff. But um, I kind of I set a rule for myself after we bought the house. Um, the size of my game collection now is as big as it will ever be. Mm. So whenever I get stuff, if I decide something like Horizon, which I keep bringing up, it was really good. You should play it. I actually, I just, um, I just got a PS4. It's the end of the year. Uh, grading stuff has left me not able to play it quite yet, but Horizon's one of the games I have for it. So I will. Oh, it's, you, you will love it. You will love it. Um, so I'm keeping Horizon, and I kept. I'm going to keep Xenoblade Chronicles Two, and I'm keeping Mario Odyssey, and you know, so on and on. <laughs> All these things from the holiday that I'm like, yes, pass the test. I will want to play it again. So then I go to these shelves and I go, I have, I figure out what I have to bump. Mm-hmm. And then I go to like a local place where I can sell games. And I turn those, that stack of eight games into a smaller stack of newer games. Yeah. And that like, that's that I, I now limit myself where it's like, okay, I'm going to keep this physical media, but there are only so many hours in a year in my life where I can ignore the baby. So <laughs> right. Which ones, which games am I going to use it on? Yeah, and it's 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 odd that that games would think that that wouldn't happen, right? Like, I guess in some ways they're hoping that they would become like. I mean, it wasn't that didn't happen with music. People still have the record collections, but of course, CD collections have gone the way of the dinosaur. Um, book collections are really the only thing left, and even those, like, people have a bookshelf, but rarely do they have like seven bookshelves, right? So, like, I mean, I do, but I like, used to, I'm, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I justify it with my uh, job, but if I don't get a job in the academy sometime soon, I'm going to have to also get rid of those. Um, certainly, as much as I like the podcast, uh, probably more than I like parts of the academy. Uh, so it wouldn't be the, the biggest tragedy if the podcast took off and I had to get rid of my books, but it would hurt. Um, but, you know, like they're, video games are like they're, they're experiences that you play and then you don't always revisit them. And so you kind of like especially once GameStop and places said like, Hey, here's easy reselling. You can't stop that from starting. I think like the, you have to just kind of roll with it at that point. Yeah. And God, it's such a tough needle to thread sometimes because I used to be like, okay, I won't buy a used copy of a game because I have the means to buy (laughs) a new copy of the game. And like the developer will not be shuttered and these people will be able to feed their families and like on and on down the line. And then, Games kept getting like loot boxes in them. And I said, I hate every single one of you and everyone involved. I'm going to do what I want. Right. Um, so it's <laughs> a so constant back and forth. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask in terms of the constant back and forth and, and getting back to Assassin's Creed, because I think there's there's two salient points here. The one is that like the, you know, you've chosen in the, you know, the limited amount of time you have, not on this earth, but uh, we won't, we won't go dark, but um, in, as a dad, right? Like, um, and as a dad, that's why I don't like to go dark, but like, you know, like the, uh, you know, as a dad, you're, you're, you're limited in a certain way. And I certainly understand this. People who have kids and listening understand this. People who have demanding jobs listening understand this too. Like people have limits on their time. Um, you can kind of work out the time you're going to have to uh, play a video game. You've chosen to spend a lot of it on Assassin's Creed. Like you've you've really invested yourself in this as a, as a series. Uh, the other salient question I have coming from that is like, do you think it's going in a good direction now? Like post origins, how do you see the series evolving and changing? They have two options, like two very obvious options. And I assume they will choose one of them. <laughs> um, 
So it's not like a thing where they're going to be like, hey, we pulled the rug out from under you and did this completely nonsensical okay. thing. Um, they now have a new modern day protagonist. <clears throat> right. So you can finish telling the story that you originally started a decade ago with whatever modifications you needed to make along the way because it got way more popular than you thought it ever would. And the industry stopped caring about new IP and only wanted successful ones. Uh, so they can do that. <laughs> or they can <laughs> they can do three more games with this modern-day protagonist and then kill her off, and then we can do the whole thing over again, and Assassin's Creed will be like WWE, and it will just never end and will cycle forever. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm going to bank on that second one. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not optimistic. It sounds like comics to me, which is, you know, I always I I'll, I'll reveal. I don't know if I ever told anyone this. I used to. Um, well, I've told someone this. I used to really want to write comics um, for a living. I loved re- I love and loved reading comics. And um, I stopped when I realized that like, I talked to a an author, uh, was a friend of my dad, who I know, uh, John Jonathan Mayberry, who writes um Check out his books. He's a nice guy. Um, writes uh, writes zombie books. Writes sort of like uh, YA stuff. Apparently, it's very good. Um, but um, he uh, he told me that like, yeah, you know, people generally like Marvel will hire you when you publish your second book or whatever. And I was like, well, this is just a racket. Um, and so I stopped stopped wanting to do that. Uh, but my 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 sort of like dream when I was younger was to be able to write like the death of Spider-Man, like the sort of like last Spider-Man story, even if it was like a flash forward or whatever, to be able to like lend closure to the series. And then of course, as I got older, I was like, well, that'll never happen. Like the, the whole point is that it'll never happen. The whole point of this whole thing is that you could, you never have the last one. Like they've set up a system where you never have that last story. And I, I feel like that is, and I, you know, it's not because you can connect a lot of dots, but it's not because Disney bought Fox. It's not because we have a, um, you know, a, a, conglomeration of media that is getting tighter and tighter within the grips of one company. That's bad, but like, it's not bad. It doesn't cause this. I think like media just in general has recognized that if you serialize stuff in a serious way, people will watch it forever, play it forever. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, I stuck with Assassin's Creed past the horrible modern day stuff that they were doing. Cause I'm like, well, there's an inkling of something there and maybe they'll figure it out. And then they did. Yeah. And they continued to not. (laughs) And I kept playing. And now they've got my hopes up again, sort of, but not really. I mean, how many comic uh, series do I remember that I was just like, ugh, I have six of these to read. I'll just get through them. Like, it's something there. When I read the whole arc, I kind of like it. And like, just, just terrible stuff. And like, I still bought and read them. Yeah, I've cut myself off from... See, I can't do it with a lot of video games. I do it with some. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I cut myself off from Gears of War once it started to be awful. And I didn't buy an Xbox One even though reviews for the new one were fine. Um, Cause I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. It's over. <laughs> we, we broke um, up gears of war, <laughs> but I'll follow Assassin's Creed. Um, at least that's multi-platform mm-hmm. with comics. I got, that's one of those things I shut comics and television. I will drop you in an instant. Good. I mean, uh, you should. <laughs> comics. The only ones I read now are like Buffy, the vampire slayer and angel continuations from the TV shows. Uh-huh. And, uh, like Star Wars comics from the new canon. That that's reasonable enough. I mean, I I don't read any at this point, so like I won't. I, I can't judge you on that. I think like I don't know. Like TV and comics really do deserve to be dropped if they're not. If you're not if you're not enjoying them, I think like there's no reason to follow them. Like I think video games, there is a certain kind of buy-in when you've played like 
200 hours of a series, you're like, well, look, I'm here. Like, I want to see where it goes. Um, Unless it actively offends me. I don't really see the point of quitting. But I remember I, I used to watch TV shows with, like, the hope they would get better. With, like, this fervent, like, deep, deep faith they would get better. And I remember watching one called, was it Persons Unknown? It was really, it was a bad show. And it was, like, it was, it was on... It was on some network and it was basically trying to piggyback off of Lost. And the idea was the idea was interesting enough. Like basically these people show up in a town and um they don't know who they they don't know where they are. They're all from different places. They just show up and like um they're all put in the same house and it's real, real strange and there's a barrier around it all. And it's it's all very like, you know, it's game showy sort of thing. Like, why why are you what are you doing here? Who's the who's the spy and stuff? I was like, all right, this could be cool. And I stuck with it. My wife, uh, Kristen, was like, this is not good. We should stop. And I was like, no, it's going somewhere. And so we watched the whole whole series. And at the end, they finally escape from the town. And they get out onto the bridge of this giant ship in the middle of the ocean. And then someone goes, now the game really begins. And I was so <laughs> mad. I was so angry. <laughs> That I just I, I I changed my my tune on TV right after that. I was like, you know what? If I don't like it, and Kristen doesn't like it, and she notices something wrong with it, I'll I'll drop it. And like that's the only way to deal with it. But you're right. Like it's hard with video games. I got lucky with Lost because I didn't see the first season. Oh, okay. So you didn't have the same expectations. Uh, so not well. I've I've never actually sat down and watched Lost because when my friends tried to introduce me to it, like via a marathon of Lost, they're like yeah, this show's so good. It really sucks right now and it's frustrating and I hate it and myself, but, (laughs) and I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a thing that you can do. I'm going to go do something that's not that. Yeah. Are we cool? Just like not going to do that. It's like, it's like, um, I was, uh, before your, like, I think this will be the episode after this, but I was talking to Yellix about, um, or Alex Perry, Yellix about, um, uh, the Sonic games and Sonic games are like that with me where I'm just like, yeah, I'm glad that's not me. In some ways, like I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not waiting on that. I'm glad I have something else I'm waiting on. I'll definitely get disappointed in something down the road, but like it's not that. Oh yeah, that's another one I managed to cut the cord with. People are like, you gotta get Sonic Mania, it's good. I was like, you know, I'm in a good place in life. I'm good. I don't think I need it. I don't think I, I just beat all the Metal Gear games for the first time, and I I'm riding a high and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring myself down with Sonic Mania. Now your your next step. I have to say, as we come on an hour and, and maybe what you have to come on to talk about, maybe maybe you and Felix can come on to talk about it, uh, is is the non-Kojima Metal Gear. Will you play it? Oh, God, I haven't decided yet. I still have to play uh, Revengeance. Oh, OK. Well, then you haven't beaten all the Metal so, Gears. Well, I mean, the solids. Oh, well, OK. Yeah, well, I don't know. I said the solids. And if I didn't, please go back and digitally edit it. I will, I will add you saying the solids. the solids. Don't worry. Thank you. Yes, as we call them in the industry. <laughs> in the Metal Gear industry. Yeah, it's, uh, you know. Mark's a member of the Lali Lilo Lu. Whoa, hey, hey, blowing up the pot. <laughs> well, Mark, thank you for coming on. Do you think there is there anything that you feel we have missed about um, Assassin's Creed? This is actually, I should say, let me say before you answer, this is me answering <laughs> fan suggestions. I know I tend to be fairly orphic. Uh, with my fans not not providing any sort of indication to listeners uh, that I am listening to you or taking your advice, but I am I am cutting off a conversation. I could continue at about an hour, so that's 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 thanks to you. Um, 
But Mark, is there anything that you feel we haven't touched on? Yeah, I was going to talk about how Dan Brown sucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take, let's take a few minutes to talk about that. <laughs> so Dan Brown is awful and his work is awful and his writing's terrible and I feel worse about you if you like him. I don't, uh, so but... don't worry. <laughs> that was a general oh, you too to the cool. listeners who I apparently am intent on offending. Um, hey, they know what they did. That's true. They they certainly do. Um, and there's so much like Dan Brown bullshit in the Assassin's Creed games, but I feel like they land they like stick the landing mm-hmm. for most of it because they just really lean into the ridiculous of it, where they're like, "It's a mystery from the past, a Da Vinci mystery." <laughs> It's like it's so ridiculous and stupid, but in that way where you're like, this is so dumb and I would die for it. Yeah, it's the it's the national treasure problem where like those movies are not good, but they're real good. (laughs) Just I like watching them because they're really into their goofy history mysteries. Um, yeah, and that's that's exactly it. And like the code, like the editions of the Codex and everything in Assassin's Creed Two. I'm sure you read all those things where they yeah, like really fill in the blanks. Yeah, it's entertaining. It's um, super entertaining. Or it's like Dan Brown is humorless and talentless, and I hate him. Yeah, um, I guess like the the thing the thing. <laughs> well, uh, Dan Brown shots fired. Come on the podcast if you'd like to respond. Um, the I would say Sorry, like, I, worked, I worked in a book. I worked in a bookstore for five years uh, during the height of Dan Brown, and that must have been brutal. A lot of oh, what would you terrible. recommend to people who like Dan Brown? Uh, good books. <laughs> no, you have to recommend the other one. Um, if they like it, you'd you'd be terrible at recommendations. How did you last at a bookstore? Um, no, I was good at it. They would buy what I said, and then they'd be like, "Wow, that was really good. Oh, Tell me more." Wow, that that's bold. Maybe you're yeah, you're sort of like the uh, you're the Bobby Flay of bookstores. Give people what they don't oh. think they'll like. <laughs> I don't know if Bobby Flay is the good version of that, but um, I was say, can you pick someone? I like? pick someone else. Uh, you're one of the one of the Iron Chefs, but of the original Iron Chefs of the, oh, yeah, the Japanese ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, they're they're good. Um, I went to no, you can be Morimoto. I went to his restaurant. He he gave me stuff I didn't expect I'd like, but I did. Oh, not, not him personally though. Just, <laughs> just his waiter. Um, but uh, yeah, so like it, you know, it it strikes me as like. There's something to be said for a lack of self-seriousness, which is really what Ezio's character brought to the the table for me, which is like he is like a I mean, it's obviously the Count of Monte Cristo and he is such a he plays it with such relish. They play the character up with such relish. It's like, well, this is just fun. And that's the same with the National Treasure things. And when you make it dour and scary and like bleak, like I don't care about the mystery at that point. I think that's why people had a really hard time with Assassin's Creed 3. But mm-hmm. honestly, I think the transition from Ezio to Connor was the best possible outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you were not going to get Ezio again. Right. Yeah. Ezio was this amazing character they created that they realized it's unfair for him to be in one game. Like, yes, there's the side where they go, okay, we can make so much more money with Ezio. But I think there's also more like the artistic side of we can do so much more with Ezio. Yeah, right. Um so you can't – you don't want to try and replicate him. And they didn't. They went with Connor, who was very serious, but I think he had a very dry humor. So there was still there was still a humor there, and there was still a person there, and it wasn't like a character – it wasn't like Tom Hanks in the uh, <laughs> Vinci Code movie where you're just like, Tom, what are you doing? Why – there's nothing to this character. Uh, but <laughs> Connor trying. had layers and was interesting and, you know, to like peel back in who he was. And, you know, he was funny and he was smart. Yeah. He just wasn't Ezio. And – well, I everyone will complain about that. Yeah. I also think it was a good idea in Black Flag to come up with another Ezio-type character, but also have him be like self-destruct, uh, self-destructive, mm. and 
kind of eventually hated by everyone he knew. And also then a mem- like a video game. So like it's, it's, it's a self sort of reflexive commentary. Yeah, it's and it's the other side of the Ezio coin where when Ezio was younger, I mean, he was a young teenage drunk who just like slept around Italy. Yeah, right. And then life changed in a way that made him change. And he turned into, you know, he still had like the good parts of that personality from his youth, but had grown up in a lot of ways that you could really respect and like want to follow that journey. Um, Whereas uh, Edward later on, you kind of hated him. Mm -hmm. Like you you thought he was great. You're like, oh, this is cool. A return to to an Ezio type character. And then, you know, you're 30 hours into the game and you're like, God, I really hope he has some kind of reckoning soon because guy sucks yeah like i hope i hope i hope he has his comeuppance not like i hope yeah. with Exio. <laughs> yeah. and you know eventually he grows he finally like has his moment it just took way longer than it did for Ezio, and you know he's a better person hmm. uh and that's good and you feel good because you went through his whole journey and it was a different journey than Ezio, while like acknowledging the kind of character he was interesting uh so that really worked. I, it, but not everyone saw it that way. I think they were just like, oh, thank God, someone with a personality again. <laughs> well, I mean, I think and, and we can we can we can probably close off with this. I think like it's well, I'll let you get last word. Uh, but I think it's like I don't know if people take Assassin's Creed as seriously as you do. And I don't think that's a good thing. Like, I think you're really reading into the choices they make with characters. And I think a lot of people are just kind of interested in you know, like the be the assassin kind of thing, um, which plays up with Ezio because he's bombastic, but plays down when it's a different kind of character. Yeah. And it's part of what made, again, to just make fun of unity. <laughs> they like kind of went, okay, here's a guy who's shades of Ezio again, but also we're going to make him like joyless and stuck in love with a Templar and not really that interesting. And I'm going to play a different game. <laughs> right. So they've had... Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, and they did a good job in, again, in uh, Syndicate when they had the two protagonists. And Jacob was supposed to be like, the, you know, the guy who loves to love and drinks too much and is rash. And you realized like he's kind of an idiot <laughs> and makes terrible decisions. Right. So I, I do enjoy this idea where they're kind of like, let's filter, let's do different like shades of Ezio, except all of them are super inferior to Ezio. Yeah. Uh, and they found a way to balance it out in other ways. Uh, with Edward, it was, you know, the resolution of his story. With Jacob, it was his sister, Evie, who was much more uh, like the dry humor, kind of uh, closed off in some ways, um, like Connor was. Uh, and they were a really good balance to have together. And you could pick your favorite right. and, you know, play with them more. Um, hmm. So they've done, they've done, I think they've done a really good job of balancing it out. They've only had those couple of missteps and it was unity and the original Altair. Right. That, that was some Dan Brown, like this guy, <laughs> this guy needs a hobby. He needs <laughs> to read like, he needs to read like the funny pages or something just every now and then to really let loose. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. They changed his character completely for Revelations when they did all these flashbacks. And then you were like, oh, I like Altair when someone tries to write him as a character that you enjoy playing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it, it really is just about I don't know. Maybe it is about balancing humor with with everything else. I wouldn't have thought about it, but it seems like that's the case. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on. Uh, do you have anything you would like to plug? I mean, you do a million things. You write over at SB Nation. Um you're doing the wrestling uh, coverage over there now. 
uh, anything you'd like to, to, to have the listeners really check out? Uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've kind of shrunk some of my projects. Um, but yeah, SB nation is the place to go. I'm the, the editor for our baseball page. And, uh, when we do wrestling coverage for pay-per-views and such, uh, which the Royal rumble will be happening a few weeks after this post, I assume, um, I'll be doing a lot for that. So if you're into the wrestling, you know, that's uh, that's one place you can find me SBNation.com. He does good work on wrestling. Well, thank you. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on wrestling online, but I like Marks. So that's just me. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Uh, come back again soon. If we if the uh, new Metal Gear Solid game is good, we'll cover that. If uh, Death Stranding is bad, we'll cover that. <laughs> Death Stranding will never come out. So 2020 or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, take it easy and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me on. 